Welcome to The John Chapman Show, where we talk about the path of a wealthy millennial, uncovering the truth about building and protecting your nest egg. Join us on this journey as we hear the stories of millennials and mentors alike to help you plan, manage, and protect your wealth. John is an employee of WorthPoint LLC. All opinions expressed by John and podcast guests are solely their own opinion and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of WorthPoint. This podcast should not be relied upon for investment decisions and is for informational purposes only. Hey everyone, it's John Chapman. Thanks for joining me for the podcast today. I am so excited to talk about the entrepreneur wealth building toolkit. Oh man, silly phrase. I get it. Let's not get hung up on the entrepreneur. But how about this? For all my millennials out there that have equity compensation, maybe you're working at a startup or a private company and you've been given ISOs, incentive stock options. Or maybe you're working for a, a large Fortune 500 publicly traded company and you're getting ESPP or RSUs. Whatever the situation is, if you are getting equity compensation, oh man, am I excited for you. I mean, there's, there's things to consider here. This isn't just plain vanilla salary. It's not like you're just getting a $100,000 paycheck and that's it. We've got tax considerations. We have estate planning considerations. We have insurance considerations. This is just so much more, and it's really fun. And if you think about these as um, your life is a blank slate, and you're going to be able to save and invest the way that you want to and really build and create an amazing life, man, equity compensation gives you a lot of puzzle pieces to work with. Today's episode with talking about the tools in your tool belt, I'm so excited. I want to share four things four specific tools that you could think about and if it makes sense, incorporate into your overall financial plan. Of course, it doesn't make sense for everybody. So big disclaimer out there. Don't take this as advice. Talk to your financial advisor to figure out what makes sense. But I just want to hammer home the four different tools that people should be thinking about and taking as full advantage of as possible. I got to tell you, I'm uh, entrepreneurs get a lot of the attention out there especially in financial planning. And for good reason, they're taking risk. And for that risk, they're oftentimes uh, compensated, you know, with a high reward. And so their wealth building curve is uh, fairly steep, but it's also super binary. But just behind that are my entrepreneurs. It's my folks that are, they're managers, project managers, maybe they're a director, you know, a director of sales, or they're in the C-suite, you know, SVP, something like that. So what is their wealth building curve like? Well, as you may know, I I worked at Fidelity for about seven years or so. And so I got to spend time with these entrepreneurs, uh, these folks that were getting equity compensation, mainly at publicly traded companies. And it was so fun. It was just, it was, it's amazing to see what their wealth building curve was like. And, um, you know, in financial media, you hear about the growing retirement crisis, you know, no doubt that's a reality for a lot of people out there. But uh, for my millennials with equity compensation, it's kind of a different story. And if you are getting equity compensation at this present moment, that might feel like a really fortunate spot to be in. But just because it's, it's good now and you're getting some of that company stock and you're probably seeing it growing and that's, that's no doubt exciting, 
um, that could easily turn into, you know, one accounting scandal later and, and that's gone. Or, you know, one Kodak uh, company later where it just gets fizzled out and eaten by the next competition and all that money's gone. So you're not totally out of the clear, but um, the, the, there is some exciting opportunity because the wealth building opportunity is, uh, is fairly great. So another quick thing I want to touch on before we dive in to the four tools is just taking a step back and reminding you that the burden of wealth building is completely on your shoulders. So let's step back. The great generation, you know, folks that were after uh, pre and post World War II, the, the mantra, as you well know, you, you graduate from school, whatever high school, college that is, you go to work at a steady company and you work there your entire freaking life uh, for the hopes of getting a really good pension. For those that don't know, a pension is simply a replacement of your paycheck after you leave the company and it's usually a percentage of the paycheck, so maybe 60 or 80% of your pay. And that way you can you know, play golf and everyone's happy, right? Well, I don't think so. And um, it's obviously not how things work nowadays. uh, Pensions are crazy expensive for companies to manage and maintain. And with the 401ks becoming more popular throughout the mid-80s and then equity compensation becoming really popular in the 90s and 2000s, uh, pensions are just non-existent. So whereas the uh, burden of wealth building might have been on the employer, you know, the company growing and their stock increasing, and that means your pension was going to be good, that was all on the company in in the old days. And today, it is totally up to you. So whether you want to attribute that to luck or hard work, For me, it's the latter. I really believe if you want to go out there and craft an incredible life and build a huge nest egg, man, more power to you. Equity compensation will definitely help you get there. So it might, uh, it might be the thing that propels you to a high net worth, um, but you've got concentration risk. So that concentration will help you get there, but it won't keep you there. And that really comes through good financial planning, some diversification, advanced planning. So Let's shift gears. Let's talk about the four tools in your toolkit. The very first thing is HSA's health savings account. Number two, which we'll get to, is ESPP, employee stock purchase plan. Number three is RSU's restricted stock unit. And number four is my friend, the Roth 401k. Cool. HSAs. HSAs are only available, as you know, for high deductible plans. Right. So you you've got your open enrollment. Oftentimes that's in the fall. You go to open enrollment. You see the different packages there. Am I going to choose HMO, PPO? Am I going to have a a high monthly premium or a low monthly premium? So whatever whatever makes sense for your situation, you got to do what's right for your family. But if you're in a situation where you can choose the high deductible plan, then the result of that means that you're going to get an HSA account, a health savings account. All right, so the HSA, why I love it, is it has a triple benefit. That's right, you put money in, that's tax deferred. So let's say you put in um, $250 from your current paycheck in there. You don't pay taxes on that 250 right now. When that money goes in there, you can choose to invest it if you don't need to spend the money for health expenses. So that growth is also tax deferred. You're not going to pay on dividends and interest throughout the course of the year. And then in the future, if that money grows, assuming it does over a period of time, you can take it out and use it for 
health expenses in the future completely tax-free. So dope. No other account is like that. It's similar to a Roth, but again, the big difference is that you get to put money in pre-tax. A Roth account, as a reminder, you've already paid taxes on that money coming in. Yes, it's tax-free later on the growth, but uh, HSA is so unique. Actually, I recently saw a cool article from Fidelity, so I'll reference that in the show notes. You can check out. They've got a nice little icon there. But uh, the HSA, you know, what I've found is that while people may realize that uh, an HSA account exists and they know you can save money in there, I think the, the biggest item I don't know that everybody recognizes is that you can choose to invest that money. Granted, there's risk for that, but if I could, if I could craft uh, a situation from scratch and, and tell you what an ideal scenario is, it would be... Uh, contributing to a high, uh, uh, you know, choosing a high deductible plan, contributing to the HSA, maxing that out. It's something around six or $7,000 per year. And the company will give you a little bit of a match. So you max that puppy out. And if you do have health expenses that come up for you and your family, uh, cross your fingers, you'd hope you'd have a large enough savings account or enough uh, income from your salary to be able to cover those things. So you can completely leave the HSA totally untouched and you just stuff money away in there for as much as long as you can. Even if you're no longer at the company, you get to keep that money there, which is cool. It's not like a use it or lose it type of plan, which would totally suck. So effectively, you could work at a company for five, six, seven years, whatever it is. You could stuff a bunch of money in, invest it, and then uh, 10, 20 years from now, have that as an extra account for your own benefit, um, for health expenses in the future um, when you do retire or maybe take a sabbatical or, or really need the money. So super awesome. That is uh, tool number one. Let's move, move on uh, to ESPP, Employee Stock Purchase Plan. This is only available for folks that work at a publicly traded company, uh, but it's hands down probably the most common type of equity compensation. And it's available for multiple ranks, not not just exclusively the uh, directors or executives and above. But uh, the ESPP does have a, a cap. I, I believe there's about a $25,000 cap per year of what you can defer into there from your salary. And what's so cool about this is you get a discount on the stock price. So let's say your stock is trading at $100, and you'll have some given range of maybe a six-month period where you're saving money throughout that six-month period from your paycheck. And let's say let's say you put in $1,000 a month, and you, and you save that every month. So for six months, you're, you're saving, and you've piled up uh, $6,000. Then your company will look and say, well, uh, was the company stock less in January or less in July? And let's just say it was... Um, $100 in January and it's 120 in July. Well, they'll they'll choose to buy use the the $100 in January as a reference point. They'll give you a discount. I think 15% is the most common. So now you can buy the stock at $85 a share. So your $6,000 will go in there by the by how many however many shares it is at $85 and t- man, if if we're in July and it's already at 120, that's a dope gain. <laughs> it's a crazy gain. ESPP does have some fairly tricky tax rules that you really want to be careful of. So just make sure to partner with your advisor or your CPA. But this is just an awesome wealth building tool to have. 
Uh, I think it, again, it's similar to the HSA, doesn't get enough attention. People don't know how much to save in there. It's like, well, should I do my 401k and first, and then should I do my ESPP second? You know, I guess those are unique conversations. So, but I just, you know, having the ESPP means that you've got money outside of your 401k. It forces you to save. And then that money is a lot more flexible if you need to use it for expenses like buying a car, saving for college, or even just diversifying for other long-term goals. So I love ESPP. And for those that uh, have the wiggle room in their salary, if their salary is enough to where they can defer into their 401k and then uh, also save through an ESPP, that is just rock and roll. Let's move to tool number three, the RSU, Restricted Stock Unit. And uh, these are, have become, as years have gone on, much, much more popular. You know, think companies like Apple and Facebook uh, and Amazon. They almost exclusively offer RSUs to uh, certain ranks of their employees. And so what's, uh, what's cool about RSUs is that you don't have to save out of your own paycheck. So if your salary is at $200,000, you, you do have to defer into the HSA. You do have to defer into ESPP. You do have to defer into 401k. But the RSUs is completely granted from the company. It's part of your overall compensation package, but it's not going to come from without that $200,000. So that's really cool. Oftentimes, you're granted you know, X number of shares, let's say a thousand shares, and you've got a vesting schedule over a certain number of years. So a typical thing you'll see is uh, you get a thousand shares granted to you in January, and then you've got a, a four-year vesting schedule Well, 25% vests uh, each year after the first year. Um, you know, some people have uh, it where they're, they're being granted every six months or even every quarter for some, which is uh, really exciting. So you're granted it, then you have to wait the vesting period, let's just say one year on the first 25%, 250 shares. And when it does vest, that is when you pay ordinary income taxes. So it's going to show up on your paycheck. Uh, you will have taxes that are withheld most likely from your company. So that, that certainly increases your tax bill, which can be a downside. But at the same time, you're most likely going to be given company stock, whatever the price is, of that day. Again, this is not advice, but because the RSU is most similar to simply just a cash bonus. You know, if you were given a cash bonus at the end of the year of $10,000, uh, you pay taxes on it, and then it's just cash. An RSU is ex almost exactly the same. You're paying taxes on it. You just happen to be owning the stock on the very next day. And so if there was ever an opportunity for you to be selling company stock and not be overly concentrated... I'm going to pick on the RSU first. Uh, it's not to say that you have to get rid of it every single time, but uh, as I'm working with clients and we're trying to look off into the future and plan and manage their, uh, their wealth building, um, RSUs oftentimes give us a good opportunity to sell and diversify. So, you know, my makes me think my father-in-law always likes to quote Murphy's Law, something to the effect of what uh, whatever can go wrong will go wrong. And so I think uh, for those that 
yes, you want to be loyal to your company. And yes, you may think that the stock is going to go up forever and you're super optimistic. I get that. And I don't want to downplay it, but um, that just really kind of exposes you to some, some unfortunate volatility. Like uh, let me pick on Apple as an example. So in the year of 2018, yes, the stock market had some volatility. I think the general market was down maybe uh, 8%. But uh, in that same year, Apple was down like 40%. And so um, it's just an example. You're, you're going you're gonna to experience the upside, but you're also going to experience the downside. Um, that risk and reward coin can never be separated. So at any rate, the RSU, though, it's again, it's just an awesome tool. Um, you don't really have much control over whether or not you get it, um, assuming you're in a job and in a position where you can. Just, just recognize how cool of an opportunity that is and be sure to tend to it carefully. All right, let's move on to the fourth thing, which is the Roth 401k. Uh, admittedly, not everybody has access to this. And so if you go on to your, um, your benefits page and you go to your 401k, you click on the contributions tab, you should see in there uh, what the percentage of your paycheck is. You know, if you're, if you're contributing 7%, 10% of your paycheck, whatever, whatever that is, you will also see a selection for what type of contribution you want to make. Maybe that is pre-tax. That's sort of the standard. And pretty much everyone out there will have that as their default. For some companies, it's been a growing trend, even though this has been around forever. Uh, forever, that really means 20 years. So <laughs> for the, forever in the past 20 years, it's been around. Um, it's most available to larger companies, especially larger publicly traded. If you have your 401k custodied at places like Vanguard and Fidelity, some of these companies will, will make it an option. So... Asterisk here, it's not going to be available for everybody. But if it is, we need to really closely look at it. For, for some uh, in the financial advisor world, they argue on whether or not Roths make sense. Uh, but I don't, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole in this episode. Again, you, you get to check with your CPA on whether or not uh, it's going to make sense. But let's pretend in this scenario that taxes are going to be greater in the future. Either you're going to have more income in the future or just tax rates themselves will be increasing. So if we're using that premise, then the Roth 401k, what that offers you is to you pay the taxes on some of this money now. And then it goes into the Roth bucket and it can grow completely tax-free. So way off into the future, when you want to experience some type of financial independence and retirement, you've got another bucket of money to pull from, not just pre-tax 401k IRA type money, but also tax-free Roth money. Um, Roth 401ks too can get confusing. So it's not to be confused with a Roth IRA. A Roth IRA has two big asterisks on it that a Roth 401k doesn't. The first is it has an income limit. If you're single and you make over 130k, you, you can't contribute to a, a Roth IRA. And if you're married and you have over 200k of income about, you can't contribute to a Roth IRA. So that really disqualifies a lot of high earners, especially people with equity compensation again. So that disqualifies a lot of people. Even if you are under that, income limit, you can only put in up to about $6,000 for anyone that's under age 50. So what's different, the Roth 401k, first, there's no income limit. Pretend you made a million dollars this year, you can still put money into your Roth contributions within your 401k. So that's pretty cool. There's no income limit. 
And then the second thing is the Roth 401k, your contribution limit is the same, whether or not it's pre-tax or not. It's about $19,000 for um, folks that are age 50 and younger. So let's pretend that you are contributing 10% of your salary. And uh, right now, all of that's going in pre-tax. Well, you could choose to change the contribution percentage. You could have maybe 5% go in pre-tax and 5% go in Roth contributions. And so why I feel this is so important is, again, going back to my experience at Fidelity, having worked with people that were already at the point of retirement, they're 60, 65, whatever. They're like, I'm done with work. I just want to live off my savings. I have enough of a nest egg. They go to turn around and pull money out of their retirement accounts. And they're like, crap, all of this I have to now pay taxes on. I thought I was going to maybe be in a lower tax bracket or I wanted to take out a, a bunch of money and buy a rental property. Er, that's not going to be very doable within the just traditional 401k pre-tax type stuff. So what the Roth 401k does, it just it gives you more options. Even if this is a psychological benefit, I think there's still a ton of value to it. So you have the ability to pull out let's say a lot of money, you can use it for, uh, I don't know, what a large vacation, you can give it to your kids, you can buy a rental property or something. But if you're trying to pull out 200,000, 300,000 at one time, the Roth 401k in the future is going to give you just some cool options that a standard pre-tax account might limit you. Um, you can do it, but you're just gonna have to pay a ton of taxes in the future. So that is tool number four, the Roth 401k. Man, I threw a ton of information at you guys, but I love chatting about this. I'm so excited. If you've got questions, make sure to reach out to find a financial advisor that you can trust. And I hope this information was helpful to you. I've got some information that I'll have in the show notes. But uh, in the meantime, just stay on the hustle, stay on the grind. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for tuning in to The John Chapman Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. We encourage your questions, comments, and feedback. For additional information, check out thejohnchapmanshow.com or look for John on LinkedIn and Twitter. See you next week.